So where is your trust? We can place our trust in a lot of things in this world. Our passage is going to speak to that today, so let's, um, let's walk in. Uh, kind of just give some context for where we are. We are in the second week of miracles as we're continuing uh, through Matthew in these three weeks of miracles of Jesus. Uh, and also walking through Romans. And so in, uh, as we ended last week at Matthew 14, 21, so right before this verse, we walked through the feeding of the 5,000. And just prior to that, where the disciples and Jesus had just learned about the death of John the Baptist. And so we're grieving uh, in that time and then ended up going off to be alone and were greeted by thousands of people and he um, preached, healed, and performed multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000, and they gathered up 12 baskets afterwards. An amazing miracle. So this is where we pick up. So this is what just happened. So immediately, like not a second after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, It is a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid, he said, Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Then they climbed back into the boat. For when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. So immediately, so it's, this passage is so rich. So immediately after uh, the feeding of the 5,000, what did Jesus do? Right? He sent his disciples away. So the commentaries say that the crowd was so overwhelmed by what Jesus had done with the feeding that there was like this momentum where they're going to sweep them all away and put him as king in their kingdom or whatever. So he's like, you guys get in the boat. It's been a, you think about it, it's been, they just received the news of John the Baptist. They were serving all this time through the day. They multi- multiplied the food. Um, it's like, go. It's time to, for them to, to be away. And then he sent the crowds home. And then what did he do um, as, soon as, as soon as he sent them on their way and they were beginning on their way? That's right. He went to be with his father. <laughs> um, he went out to the hills by himself to pray. Um, and night fell. He was, there, he was there for quite a while. You hear, um, as the passage goes on, to say how late it was into, into the night when he actually went, uh, went out into the water. And so we can learn a lot from Jesus's pattern here in walking um, walk, walking through his ministry and taking those moments before miracles, between miracles, after, in good times and in bad, to do what? To connect with his father, right? To stay connected in that way. 
So meanwhile, back on the water, <laughs> what's happening? The disciples are kind of in trouble. So what's happening in the in the, the Sea of Galilee sits in uh, it's it's a it's a large lake. It's very wide. It's about the size of Washington D.C. It's very deep, like is 100 feet in uh, in some places, and it sits well below sea level, 650 to 700 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by hills and mountains all around it. So it's like sits down in this bowl. And so as the winds come up and over the mountain, they swoop down and create can create these gale force gale force winds. And the waves go crazy, and that's what's happening here in this place. So they come up, and um, so they're trying to fight and, and not die because they know they know what can happen. I mean, they're very familiar with this with this with the Sea of Galilee is a, is actually a lake. Um, it's where they fish, the ones who were fishermen. Um, so they're familiar with it. They know what can happen on that. So they're afraid, and they're they're trying to keep the boat steady. Um, so let's kind of walk through what's what's happening here. So what do we notice about um, the timing of Jesus connecting with God um, before he comes uh, before he comes out? So we talked a little bit about this before and after the tragedy, before and after um, hearing about the tragedy of John the Baptist. Um, we know that when they got to the other side of the lake, the crowd was already there, but they still had that time on the boat. There was still that, that time away in those moments of connection. And this happens, um, this happens here. So he spent this time connecting with his father. He knows he needs to get to the disciples who are now a couple miles um, offshore. It's, again, it's a very big, a very big lake, lake. And he literally walks on the water to get there. He doesn't get in a boat. He doesn't swim. He doesn't magic himself there. He walks across the water. Uh, it's a really, um, it's, it's an amazing miracle. And you can see how he is empowered through the steps that he takes through his connection with the Father. So he is going out to the disciples. You think about how they're feeling. Like they're afraid and they're worried. They don't know, um, they don't know what's going to happen. They're feeling the pressure of the storm. And as they get close, as Jesus gets close, and the disciples see him coming, what do they think? Right, because what's their mindset? Right, yeah, they think they're going to die. Like they're they're terrified, and so they see Jesus walking, but they don't recognize it as Jesus. They're like, oh no, it's another attack. Not only do we have waves and wind and water, and if there's rain and stuff and everything going to, now we have this demon ghost coming to get us, or something coming to get us. Um, he's, but he speaks to them, and he says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Uh, and then you got to love Peter, right? <laughs> uh, all, at this point, you have 12 disciples on a boat, and you have Jesus walking across the water. And he says, don't be afraid. I am here. It's me. And so what does, what does Peter do? He said, if it's really you, call me to come out. And he did, and he does. He calls him. Uh, he calls him out on the water. So Peter, without hesitating, without hesitating, hops over the side of the boat and read that passage. What does it say that he did? So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Peter walked on the water. He didn't swim. Jesus didn't pull, pull him over like he. Little, so there's another miracle there. And how did that happen? It's a miracle that happened through Peter's faith in Jesus. 
he had the courage to get out of the boat, eyes fixed on Jesus, and for a time, doesn't say how many steps he took, whether it was, you know, two or 20. Um, I suspect it probably wasn't 20. Um, but for, for, that, for those moments, he was literally walking on the water, empowered by who? Jesus, right? And his connection with him. So through this miracle, um, he's starting to walk on the water, but then what happened? He did. He freaked out. He saw, he noticed the waves and the wind. He got scared again. And he said when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. And so he's looking at the wind and the waves, and he begins to sink. And he calls out to Jesus. So there's this cause and effect. So in this, in, initially, he gets out of the boat. His eyes are fixed on Jesus. And what is he doing? He's walking. Um, and then he notices, wait a minute. I am standing on water, and there's wind and waves, and what happens? He starts to sink. He takes his eyes off Jesus. So there's a lesson here, and a question I think for us is, where are our eyes? Where are they fixed right now? Life can get pretty hard and complicated, um, and we can, we can lose track. And when we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we have the ability through him to walk in peace and to walk in faith and to hope in him and to trust in him. But as soon as we start looking at our circumstances, the same cause and effect happens. We can start to feel overwhelmed by our circumstances, whether it's personal circumstances or even in the world around us. So as Peter starts to panic, what does he do? He calls out to Jesus. He says, save me, Lord, tells Jesus, Lord. Jesus becomes his hope. And what does Jesus do? He rescues him, right? He reaches out and, and, grab, and grabs him. And he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Like he, even in the midst of this, Jesus reaches out with compassion and love and understanding. But he teaches him. He's like, continue to have faith in me. He's so gentle, um, so loving. And then another miracle happens, because what happens is Jesus grabs him, pulls, pulls him up, and they get back into the boat. And what happens when they're in the boat? The wind stops. So there's another, there's another miracle that happens in that moment. He, he, he stops the storm. He stops the wind and brings the calm. And so there's a picture here where you have the disciples uh, alone, struggling, in the winds, and then Jesus' presence brings them peace. So it's happening literally, but it also happens literally in a less direct way because we don't get to see Jesus physically yet. He's coming back. <laughs> um, but, but he is with us, and his presence brings peace. So in this one move, when they're back together, he brings, um, he brings that peace. And then what is their response? worship him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. So they were afraid to trust him even after he spoke. Uh, but think about the words that Jesus said to them um, as they were still trying to wrestle with who is this scary thing coming. He says, have courage, don't be afraid. Uh, take heart, it is I, one of the versions say. And when he says this, he's revealing something else to them. He's 
the, the Hebrew, the, the word translated here for uh, where he says, it is I, is uh, the Hebrew for I am, which are the same words that God spoke to Jesus, or I'm sorry, God spoke to Moses at the burning bush when he says, I am. And so Jesus is making that connection with his identity, um, his identity and his connection with God. Um, if they still wrestle with trusting. And so, what about you? Are you ready to trust Jesus with the things that are hard or uncertain right now? After Peter stepped out of the boat, his eyes were on Jesus, and then he took them off. So our, the challenge for us is to try and keep our eyes on them. So as we think about our own faith, about 10 years ago, uh, it was actually this, the same time that I was reconnecting back in church. Hillsong released uh, released a song, a worship song, uh, Oceans. We've sung it here in worship before. And I've never thought of that, like the, the lyrics that Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And I've I worshiped through this song hundreds of times, but never really thought about it also as a picture, looking back, almost an illustration of the story of Peter and, um, and Jesus uh, with them. And it, what's so interesting is as we, as we learn about Jesus' interaction with his disciples throughout his entire ministry, you have the 12, or you have sometimes he breaks apart with the three, Peter and John and James, um, but it's the group. But in this moment where, where Jesus is walking on the water, there are 12 disciples in the boat. But there is a shift that happens. And suddenly it becomes a story about Peter and Jesus in their interaction together. And the impact of that, um, the impact of the, of the connection between the two and the interchange between the two, even though it was an interchange between Jesus and Peter, the disciples were still there, even though they shift to the background, and they're watching, and they're encouraged. Um, they're encouraged by him, just the swiftness and the strength of Jesus and his rescue of Peter, and then things becoming calm again. And then they, they're, declaring, they're declaring, surely you are the Son of God. So we look at the impact of Peter's one act of boldness and faith. He stepped out in faith. He stepped out of the boat in faith. Sometimes Jesus will call us to step out of our boat. What is your boat? What is that place of comfort where you feel secure and content? Sometimes he will ask us to step out and do something for him. He also carries us through seasons where we anchor. and We anchor in the harbor or at port, and we stay there for a while while God is, while God is working in us and we can be encouraged through others. But in the midst of this, when we're, um, as Peter was actively in struggle and Jesus, he and Jesus together were working out their faith together, the impact on the disciples was one of tremendous encouragement. So like, truly you are the son of God, like they could see. So don't underestimate the power of stepping out in faith and trusting Jesus and the, the impact 
an encouragement that that can have on somebody else who's walking through a difficult time or is struggling in faith or fear or something in a moment. We don't ever think about, um, we don't often think about how people also are watching us and how we, how we walk through the challenges of life, the joys of life, trusting Jesus, looking to him for strength and peace and hope, and what an encouragement that can be to others. And then this passage goes on, the, the lectionary ends right there, but it goes on to say the word spread, and, um, and people were coming just wanting to be wanting to be close to Jesus. So I'd like to draw in our Romans passage at this point and thinking about, so we're looking at our faith and our trust in Jesus coming out of this passage and what we can uh, what we can learn. And the saving grace of Jesus, as we've been talking about all through the summer, as we've been walking through Romans and even some of the Matthew, uh, Matthew passages, is that it's so personal uh, with each one of us. He, he wants that relationship with each one of us. He wants us to know that we can look to him as our source of um, hope and strength. Uh, so the passage that, uh, that Ben read for us, Moses uh, writes about righteousness by the law. Um, and the, through the Old Testament, uh, and the, the Jews were trying to follow, follow the law to the letter of the law, to the T, uh, which we never could do. And then it goes on to say, um, who will ascend to heaven to bring Christ down, or who will descend to the deep to bring Christ up? But we don't need to go find, we don't need to go find and get him, which is what, um, what, he's, what he's contrasting there, because we have him right here with us. Jesus is the living word of God, and the word is near us, is in our heart, uh, is in our mouth, and we can declare. You know, I wonder what it would have been like to have walked in the days of Jesus and to have followed along with him and the disciples and learned firsthand the things that they learned that God and his sovereignty has us here now in this time, in this generation for a reason, right? Uh, and so he goes on to say that the word is near us. Jesus is in our heart, in our mouth, this message of faith that we can proclaim. He's here just like when he said he's in the water. I'm here. Um, we sometimes try to make our faith um, so much more complicated than it says here. It says, declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. As we've walked through um, other passages in Romans verse and Ephesians earlier this year, we're saved by grace, through faith. Grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. And sometimes we try and and other people also try to make faith so complicated. Like you have to do this, you have to jump through this hoop, and you have to do all of these things in order to be saved. And Jesus is like, come to me. And Paul is teaching that, um, teaching that here. He says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, just as if we are without sin, as we've talked about before. And with your mouth, mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And then it goes on to say that there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, that Jesus came, uh, Jesus came to save all. He is the Lord of all, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then there's a pivot that happens here. Paul poses a series of questions uh, for the listeners to understand. He goes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. 
our sign out front has John 3.16 on it, and it has the, the King James Version, the, the whosoever. And there's this beautiful story, and if we had more time, I'd share it. One day, maybe I'll even play the, play the recording, but there's a, a gentleman by the name of Dawson Trotman. He was the founder of the Navigators uh, organization, discipleship, discipleship organization, and lived in the um, uh, mid-1900s, um, as I mentioned, founded the Navigators. He came alongside Billy Graham for a season, trying to connect people who would, who would raise their hand and come forth, but to connect them into relationship for discipleship. Um, but he tells this story of uh, a sailor that he had over to his house for dinner with his family, and they would go around the table and the children uh, would, sh would share a verse that was important to them, or a verse that they, that they had memorized. And his three-year-old daughter had memorized John 3.16, and she had a difficult time. Whosoever was just like this big word for her, so she would be like, whosoever. Who is how she would say it. And so as she's walking, how God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, and that sailor who heard that, had, that was the only verse that that sailor knew, and that was the one that he was going to recite. Um, but hearing it through her sweet little voice and that emphasis on whosoever got it. Like, God worked that, worked that piece into his heart, and then he went on to um, to form a relationship with Jesus went off to be a missionary, but just to, uh, amazing the power of God's word uh, in us uh, and through us. And so that anyone, whosoever, would, uh, would believe in him. And then he goes on to pose these series of questions that give us a lot to think about. So how then, and I'm going to read from, uh, if you have the, I put the NIV in there, but I'm going to read here too from, from the New Living Translation, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good word. So these questions, how can they call on someone that they don't, that they haven't believed in? And how can they believe if they've never heard? Peter on the water called to Jesus, save me. How can people know that? Um, how can they hear unless someone tells them? Um, if someone doesn't go, how will they? Uh, how will they then know? It just gives us a lot to think about, and I'm just going to leave that here for you to wonder about and explore with God. What does that mean for us um, in your life? It's Jesus's move is personal, and He uses us. So what do these questions bring up for you? Some feelings may be positive, some may be negative. Um, it's hit me at different places at different times. This passage was the very first passage I ever read in a worship service back in 2001, St. Andrew Church in Minnesota. Um, it ended with, uh, it didn't go into the, um, into how will people know about him. It, it ended with the, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It was, it was just the seed that was planted in me a long time ago, and um, it's a really special, special passage, but this, this also helps me to stop, as I've been reflecting this week, and think about the people over my life who helped me come to recognize Jesus, not preaching at me, not making me recite something, or carrying me through this, you know, 
script of things that they need to tell me that I need to say yes, I agree, yes, I but but these just these seeds over time. Um, my parents taking us to church, serving in church, um, catechism catechism teachers who gave the gifts of seeds of devotion to His Word in obedience. I have no other gods before me. That became really important. Like 40 years later, um, and I had a moment to make a decision: Am I going to pray to God or somebody else? Um, so that those seeds that are planting, our family befriending and uh, serving asylum-seeking families from Vietnam when we lived in Pennsylvania, and Russia when we lived in Maryland, and, um, and walking with that, starting Bible studies with my friends, watching my best friend from high school and her boyfriend, fiance, and husband uh, lead youth in their church. And we, she and I went through confirmation together, um, but at that time in our lives, was not a, a huge part of our lives, and just watching that grow, and then just all of these seeds over time, and then when God would reconnect us um, at Christ the King Church, and how people would help to draw me close, like I think about, so grateful for each of those examples, or words of encouragement spoken, um, that God would eventually weave all together into something that would bring me here all these years later. Um, so I just encourage you to think about people who have impacted your faith. Um, and how does God call you to encourage others? But he's always moving, um, even when we don't see it. His presence is with us, is always with us, no matter what. Um, even, in the, even in the waiting, even when the waves are coming, the storms are, um, the storms are brewing, and the waters are pressing in, um, but regardless of what we see or feel, he's with us, and we can count on his presence. Um, as I wrap a couple years ago, um, I was working, well, four years ago, I guess, working on a sermon for at our old church uh, during the pandemic shutdowns. Uh, it was in the, in the early months of the shutdowns, and um, had an online service, and God would connect a number of things related to the Holy Spirit, and I went and sat out on our back porch and was working on my message, and while I was doing that, two doves came and sat on a rail um, next to me, and they were perfectly still. Didn't move. I'm going to share the story with them on you. Um, didn't make a sound. They just were perfectly still and quiet. And then we took off and swooped into the woods, and then I heard this and I'm like, them. So, of course, got my computer there, and I Google it, and that was their sound, and their morning doves. And it was said, if you remember, when Jesus was, when uh, John the Baptist baptized Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit came on Jesus like a dove. So, it's just that connection, that Holy Spirit connection for me in that moment, moment of encouragement as I was working on this message and kind of wrestling with it a little bit. Um, but so, that just became, that became a an encouragement for me, and as I went to close out some browser windows so I'd stop being distracted, um, I had Facebook open, and there was this um, this uh, graphic that had um, in quietness and trust shall be your strength. It was like that those doves that just came and sat so quiet. So God then connected that, and it was a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 30:15, and the whole thing reads, "And in turning, in returning, and rest is your salvation, and be saved." in quietness and trust shall be your strength. And from then on, every time I still, every time I hear doves calling as a reminder 
of God's presence in that passage. Every time I hear the doves, it's like, in quietness and trust shall be your strength. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. The returning in rest. Where am I resting? Where am I striving? But it's that constant reminder that speaks to us in those moments, those reminders of his presence with us and the calm and the peace that he can bring in the midst of no matter what is going on. When we first moved here to Maine, we rented this sweet little cottage that sat right on the water, um, sunrise and sunset. It just was, it was really sweet, it was a gift of time, and it was in, still within walking distance to my sister's house, and there were so many doves, and so it was like this constant chorus throughout the day, and I was in grad school, and I'd be working on my papers and stuff, and it's that constant, and I'd just be trying to rest. So it was just that constant reminder every time I would hear it, and this was actually a time of transition for me. It was We left everything that we knew, uh, some of our family, our church, in in Charlotte and moved here to Maine. We had, thankfully, family right here, but a lot changed. And in that time, he helped me to anchor more securely in him. He had to do some pruning in my heart and in my life to get some things right uh, with me. But through that time was just this constant encouragement um, of the doves. And even yesterday morning, I took a walk across to Mackworth Island and um, walk across the causeway to get there, much like the picture of the causeway that's on the that's on our homepage on our website, which grabbed my attention. It was like, that just felt like home to me, and it is. Um, but anyway, so I'm walking across the causeway to Mackworth yesterday, and I look along the, um, the, the rail, and there's like weeds and shrubs and all, all kinds of just natural vegetation along, along the, side of the uh, side of the causeway, and I saw a little dove walking. And then there was another dove walking. So they literally were walking, like, I'm heading this way toward the island, and they're walking this way. They're, not, they're walking, like, they're going for a walk. I'm like, I love that. I've got, like, five pictures of them because then they were in the weeds, and then they actually came out and were walking on the street. I'm like, gosh, you are so cool. So he is always with us. Um, just remember that, to take courage. It is I, the great I am, connected as one. He called Peter on the water. What is he saying to you? How is he speaking into your life and your situation? Where is there any uncertainty in your life or family or work or community, church? As we fix our eyes on him, the living word of God, he will guide us and he will empower you. He can move mountains, he can calm winds. Sometimes we don't see it happening. We don't see all the pieces that he's lining up to create this solution that we can't even think or imagine. But he's doing it, but in the midst of it, we can be looking to him for guidance. He's good, and he's powerful, and will move through us. Peter stepped out of the boat, believing on that day. And at Pentecost, Peter is the one who stepped out in bold faith and began to preach. And 3,000 came to believe that day. He is with you in your heart and in your life. His word is as close as our heart, our lips. Our Bible, he is with us, our living word of God. And will we seek him and hold our gaze with him, our eyes connected with his. And every time that we shift and start to look at our circumstances or what we don't know or what's uncertain or um, scary uh, in the moment or feels overwhelming, can we begin to inch our eyes and our hearts back towards him and his word? as he guides us. So we're not meant to walk this life 
uh, our trials or the joys alone. He walks with us. Our community of faith walks with us and surrounds us. So where can you find encouragement? Call out to him. And if you ever want to pray, I'm only a step away here on Sunday mornings or a text or phone call away to another others in our community who are praying for um, for each of us as well. So let's pray. God, you are holy and you are good and you are present. Lord, we thank you that you, um, you want nothing more than for us to lock eyes with you, to trust you. Lord, there are things um, that we trust you with automatically, and then there are those things where we feel like we need to strive um, and figure things out on our own. Uh, we, we just get to the other side of this thing, this situation, this lake, as the disciples were, were working towards. We just get to the other side. Uh, but then you come and meet us uh, wherever we are, wherever we are, even if it means walking on the water, uh, even if it means showing up wherever, uh, wherever that is, wherever we are, you will come to us. Uh, we need just to look to you. You are with us always. Lord, help us to put our trust in you, uh, to anchor our hope securely in you. Help us to trust you with every aspect of our lives. God, you are good. Thank you for encouraging us through the lives of other believers. Thank you for encouraging us through your word. Help us to trust you, to look to you, and to just rest in your presence. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.